2: Or call 562 314 4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: The Around the
0: NFL Podcast takes family walks on the beach.
4: Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis coming to you from the city. Filled with heroes in bunkers. Mark Zessler, Chris Wessling, Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Long walks on the beach. Not street legal, though. Greg, not street legal. Not in uh, Los Angeles, Los Angeles County, no. Right.
2: I have not been to the beach in in quite a long time. Although, apparently, it's a thing that people are, like, driving down
4: to, you know, San Diego County to, to take over their beaches. Yeah, that's something that's going on right now, and... Huntington Beach, Orange County, Wes, I saw uh, Lakeisha, you know, your wife's the best because she, (laughs) she embraces life in a way that I'm not used to seeing, like whether it was your engagement or the walk up to your wedding or the post wedding celebration. Now with the baby upon us here in May, you guys went to the, uh, what do they call it? The wild bloom.
5: The uh, Antelope Valley poppy seeds, but I don't. There may be it may be branded as some wild bloom. I don't. I don't know about that. Uh, yeah.
4: Well, you, fellow, and you were the you were the photographer for a uh, a uh, final what do they call it trimester photo shoot.
5: Yeah, um, one of your fellow Jets fans, Matt Swicky, who used to work at the yeah, network good man. Good man sent me um, a few places, suggestions to go to um, because he he does a lot of photography and, and his wife is also pregnant. So they did a similar shoot. Keisha, as you guys know, um, not only a very joyous person, but places a very high um, priority on photographs and, and pictures. And um, she's good at it. Like, I, I thought the photos were great. And it was mostly just because she had set it up in the right locale with the right dress
4: at the right time. Extremely tasteful is how I would put it. And don't cheat yourself, Wes. You're the man hitting the button, ultimately. The super bloom is what it's known as.
5: Well, I think um, I do love photography. I would say in that case, thank you to uh, Apple and iPhone for doing most of the magic.
3: I think Wes hit that button about nine months ago. Ah! Um, everybody else doing okay? <laughs> okay, Mark. Uh,
4: doing great. Yeah. Mark you know, your weekend is okay,
3: I wouldn't call it that I mean it no <laughs>
4: you know it's got it's gotten rough now where the only thing that i that I take joy in my entire weekend is the Michael Jordan documentary that only has two weeks left, <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh long gone are the days. I remember Dan you and I used to we were mad men, we're very into mad men, and that would be Sunday nights also, and like you would have a, a a ver- like a very vivacious, um, active weekend with friends and kids mm-hmm. and family. And then, you know, Mad Men would cap it off. Now you're just kind of doing with the Jordan dock. It's like two days of housebound, um, chores and life. And then an expansion into the Jordan dock, which, um, I'm finally caught up on, on feel it is uh, a, a wonderful piece of work.
2: <laughs> good, Greg. You're okay. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. I, I enjoyed the weekend. I that there's some there's at you least some ever part of a me.
3: cynical take from Greg about during this entire pandemic. Well, I don't know why you guys want me budget. to
2: like have feelings I don't have. I mean of no, course we do like, not. the anxiety <laughs> about the world around us is ever present and like reading that is depressing. But the idea of staying home all day um, mostly with my family and going out and stuff like there is a high level of attraction for me like that is sneaky what I've always just wanted to do, so I, I don't mind the excuse
4: there's for a it. missing component there because Mark and I can easily say the same thing because we love our wives and children as well. It is still a lot the the confined space the 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 fact that you can't actually go anywhere you can't take the kids anywhere um and as much as I love being with everyone, I still. It kind of gets to you after a while. And I'm just, I'm happy for you, Greg, that you apparently do not have the issue that many other people do. No, of course, I, of course, it's not like, like
2: all easy, but just on balance, I guess like that level of stress I prefer over, over most any. Uh, and you can, you can mix it up. Like we got, uh, we got some in and out drive through. They didn't get out of the car this weekend, but you know, that, that was like a big adventure. Uh, you know, we did a lot of biking and stuff. Uh, but I don't know. I don't need to, an excuse to read more. It feels well, I
3: think like to Greg's point, I mean, one thing that's not happening is like, wait, a, how do you
2: read? How are you reading? Where are the children doing
5: this? Fair
2: point. They, Ellis is a good um, minder of Walker on some level, my daughter. Okay. So it's almost like that's she's a, a babysitter. Uh, uh, they play their games, you know, they when they have their TV time or podcast listening time or whatever,
4: we might have a, the thing. disconnect might be, Mark. And I'm sorry I cut you off there, that Mark and I have two boys. Two random yep. pairs of boys, rambunctious, boundless energy, and that just probably creates a totally different dynamic. I yeah, think I that, mean our
3: that's our fair. you know our doctor that has known Luke and Colton since they were born um, has described them in quotes as active, which is I think a code word <laughs> for a lot of other things. And I you know Greg, I appreciate what you're saying, and I I feel like we've all given props to our family here and there. But for me, I have a theory with family, my family, which is sometimes keep them wanting more. Um, and you know, when you're in each other's face 24 seven, I'm doing a nice job of parenting for the first six and a half hours, but then, you know, then there's, there comes a breaking point for me and that's just the way that, uh, I made, but I, you know, I'm not father of the year material, but, um. The I old, need a little I need a little break sometimes to regalvanize. Sure. And that's not happening here um, on the 24 seven lockdown home scenario.
4: So you're, you're the old carrot and the stick routine is, is the Absolutely. best. Absolutely. Yeah.
3: <laughs> that would be <laughs> a great parenting book by Mark Seth, Sesser. Like, leave them wanting more. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad strategy, depending on your, uh, you know, psychological makeup. <laughs>
4: All right. We got a lot to get to. Uh, we're going to check in on the uh, Rosenthal Wessling top one hundred one free agency list. There's still. Believe it or not, 19 guys from that original list that are unaccounted for or don't have a team right now. But before that, we do some news, including the passing one of, the of one of the all-time greats in
0: our league. The thing that uh, really is one of my coaching philosophies is uh, somehow, some way, get the winning edge in a ball game.
4: That is the voice of the great Don Shula, who passed away. Today at the age of 90, the NFL's all-time winningest coach, 347 wins with the Baltimore Colts and then with the Miami Dolphins where he had most of his victories, uh, including, of course, the undefeated 1972 season. The Dolphins issued a statement saying that Shula died peacefully at home. Uh, One of the great figures in the 20th century of the NFL and no, uh know, said to be the patriarch of the Miami Dolphins for 50 years, according to the Dolphins. Let's welcome in uh, a good friend of the show, the great, handsome Hank he's known as on the Dave Damaschek football program. We call him Henry Hodgson, vice president of international for NFL media. Hank, you are also a diehard Miami Dolphins fan. Uh, just thought we all thought it would be a great idea to bring you in to talk about the great Don Shula, who passed away at the age of 90.
6: Thanks, friends. Hi, how are you guys hey, doing? Hey, bud. Hey, Henry. Good to see you. Good to see you all. Darts, you
2: look Henry. Well, Henry, yeah. you look. You, you look like you're coming back from vacation or something.
6: Yeah, that's not the case. I just heard you. Um, I was uh, to take uh, your listeners behind the curtain. I was allowed to listen into the first part of the show, and I heard uh, three of you talking about how life with two children is so hard. I have three kids in the back in the background here. <laughs> You guys I told you amateurs. that was a bad I'm, decision. I'm, you did tell me at the time it was a bad Years decision. Ago. at the time, I hadn't necessarily counted on a, a nine month quarantine. Mm. Um, and if I had done, I would have made very different decisions in my life. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, things that, things that, you know you guys are, are amateurs while i'm I'm playing professional fathering. Over. anyway
4: this was this is a great conversation piece for the end of your appearance. I did tee you up on the death of Don Shula at the age <laughs> yes, of I'm 90. sorry.
6: <laughs> yeah, no look, I mean it's 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 tragic, it's really sad. Don Shula was um was a a great coach um and um I think a, a great man as well if you listen to uh people who played for him, uh, coached with him, fans who who've had a chance to meet him, uh media that's had a chance to meet him. Um what you have met him is,
4: several uh, times, correct? I've
6: met him uh, two or three times in my life actually. I think one time with Mark Sessler, but the first oh, time I met yep. him i aged 11 the, the miami dolphins played the san francisco 49ers in london in a game in 1988 um and i ran away from home and uh and was desperate to meet my heroes and got to shake don shula's hand as he walked off the practice wow. field at crystal palace in london where they were where they were practicing and that was pretty cool for me then in 2000, and I think it was probably 13 or 14. I think almost the very first show of a Football Life, which was the NFL, which was an NFL Network series,
4: which they just put on- up on YouTube today. If you want, anybody wants to watch that, they right? Put it up think- full this morning.
6: Exactly. And I think there's a big Shuler uh, marathon taking place um, in on NFL Network tonight. But uh, he came into the studio and they did a show afterwards um, that, that kind of recapped it. And I got a chance to sit with him then. And I told him when I was 11, I'd run away from home to uh, to, to go and meet him. And he asked for my mother's phone number so he could apologize to her on, on his behalf. Uh, That's so what it was, he said. He, that's what he said. He's a nice he's a nice man. He's a nice man. Um, and then the last time I think I met it was with Mark Sessler before on a Super Bowl Sunday when the Panthers um, were playing um, against the Broncos, and uh, and his son was coaching. Obviously, he was offensive coordinator for, for the Panthers, and Mark and I got a chance to go and say good morning to him on Super Bowl Sunday morning. So. Well,
3: one little note on that, because I wouldn't have gone and done it on my own, and I was standing with you, Henry. It was at that time when we were all about to leave for to get on the buses to go to the game. Exactly. And, you know, I thought, well, I don't want to bother him because he had a few people around him and you were, and I loved, I loved your attitude because in general, I feel like when you see someone and you have that one chance in life, go for it. But, you know, he was in a wheelchair, I believe, and he was just, um, you know, he had family around him, but you said, let's go do it. And I'll never forget this about Don Shula, um, because it was at a period where I think a lot of younger people don't really have an idea of who Don Shula is, the same way we didn't maybe know George Hallis when we were just getting into football, and so you're not seeing the vibrant younger version. But when we went up and said hi to him, you know, I just thought it'd be a handshake and you're on your way. He held your hand and he said, I you know, to each of us, and he was like, so where are you from, Mark? And and are you married? And do you have kids? And and how are how are things for you? And I thought, whoa, wait, Don Shula is extending this meet and greet that most people would want over in two seconds. So um, I think there's another side to Don Shule that I I learned about that day. Yeah,
6: that's true. And then there's everything else about him, right? He was a coach that obviously won more games than any any coach in NFL history. But he did it in in many different ways. He, you know, he did it with the with the Baltimore Colts and took them to a Super Bowl. He went to the Miami Dolphins as their second ever head coach after they'd had a, a short um, uh, coaching spell for, with with another guy, and then coached them to five different Super Bowls and in entirely different ways. You had the the seventy two and seventy three you know, winning seasons, that perfect season that everyone knows about with, with Larry Zonker and, and Jim Kick and, and Bob Greasy. And then, you know, two decades later, he was cu- taking a, a Dan led team, which was, you know, at the time, something that no one had ever seen before, playing offense in a way that, that, you know, hadn't been invented up until that point and doing the same thing. And so I think, you know, you talk about belichick who's obviously right up there with him as as one of the greatest coaches of all time and how his teams evolve every year and 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 you know shula did the same thing but he did it over a sort of 30 or 40 year coaching career
4: wes why do you think that shula doesn't get brought up in the way that some other guys get brought up like a Hallis or a lombardi or a belichick Mm. or a walsh
5: well i think part of it is the era in which he coached um was not the most exciting era of football. The Dolphins were the quintessential team of the 70s where they won with the running game and defense and did not want to pass. It was just, let's not make mistakes. And that came from Lombardi. Shula um, popularized Lombardi's style, really. And since Lombardi, to me, it's it's Shula and Belichick are the top two. Um, And you see a lot of similarities between them. I think the highest compliment you can give to a football coach is, is one that was said about Bear Bryant in the South um, in the 50s and 60s. He can take his own and beat your own, and then he can turn around and take your own and beat his own. And Bum Phillips said that in the NFL about Don Shula. That's that's how the quote became popular because mm. Bum Phillips said it about Shula. And I think a lot of people think the same thing about Belichick. It's interesting to me that um, Dr. Z, Paul Zimmerman, asked a few of the big coaches in the 70s while he was writing – Thinking Man's Guide to Football, give me one line about what you'd like to be remembered as. And Shula said, always fair, never screwed anybody, and his team traveled first class. And that is huh. there's always that sense of fairness when you talk about Don Shula. And the quote kind of morphed later in his life, after all the Belichick drama and, and the scandals, into Shula saying, I want them to say he won within the rules. I think that's that was a high priority for Don Shula.
2: Yep. He he touched so much of football history. He played for Paul Brown. He was as a player, he was traded as in the biggest trade in NFL history to Wee Bank's team. I think people forget our listeners who are young might not realize like Don Shula was the coach of the Colts when they lost, you know, as the biggest favorite in Super Bowl history to the Jets, to Joe Namath in in Super Bowl three. And so John Shula entered that seventy-two. Super Bowl with a pretty big anvil on his shoulders. He had lost two Super Bowls. He had got blown out the year before with the Dolphins. So at that point, he had lost as the biggest favorite ever. He had been blown out the year before. uh, And then they end up being underdogs the year that they were undefeated. I think you can argue there's an argument to be made. Those two teams, 72 and 73, as like a two-year unit, if you just want to kind of evaluate what was the best two-year run of all time that those Dolphins teams to me would be right near the top. I think the, the Cowboys in the nineties would would maybe be another one you throw in there.
4: And Shula was essentially pushed out of the job after the ninety five season, a nine and seven season, and he there were some you know bad feelings about that. Shula didn't sound like he was ready to go, but the organization was ready to move on. And I think it's it's notable that they decided that Shula maybe didn't have the edge anymore. And he was a guy that regularly took them to, you know, 9, 10, 11 wins, playoffs all the time, obviously the Super Bowls. And ever since he left, it's been, what, almost 25 years now. They haven't (laughs) done almost anything in the league, as you know, more than anyone, Henry. So I think with time, Shula gets deserves even more respect for uh, it's so hard to be consistent, not just year after year, but decade after decade. And that's what he brought to the Dolphins.
6: Yeah, he did. And I think around that time as well, you saw that there were three kind of great coaches in that period, Tom Landry and Chuck Noll, who kind of, who, who continued coaching. And each of those guys sort of saw their, their, their present, perhaps not matching up to their past. Um, but Shula outlasted those guys. I remember it just before he retired, they really made a, a big effort to, to try and sort of stock up the team for one more run for him uh, and it didn't work out, but you know, he, he continued to, I think the probably the best, the best, rivalry at that time was between him and Marv Levy of the Buffalo Bills. And just, you know, seeing those two teams go head to head a couple times a season and often in the playoffs as well. Um, it was pretty cool to, to have that chance to then, you know, understand that you're watching one of the greatest ever to do it as, as the coach of your team.
2: He also um, had a big impact. He was on this competition committee, which I wouldn't remember, yeah. but I, I, you know, checked out America's game, which is probably the, the best single book on football history. And the, the, competition committee was Shula Shram, the old uh, Cowboys um uh, you know executive Al Davis uh and um who am i forgetting here Paul Brown and they basically set the course of a lot of the rules of everything that happened during the seventies. When West gives a lot of credit to the NFL uh, for being a league, that's always trying to adjust and always try to improve it. It sort of started with those guys in the seventies. And Shula was like a huge part of that, including like making, like looking to make some rules that ultimately hurt him because like, you know, he was known as almost like the Patriots in the early two thousands is they were so physical that they, they almost changed the rules because the league was so worried that it was just becoming all defense. Uh, and and he helped, you know, to, to change that ultimately. to That ended up hurting him. He also was, had very bad luck, not to go on too much, but, like, after they won those two Super Bowls with the, maybe the greatest teams of all time, three of their players left for another league. Three of their best right. players, you know, left for another league. And they didn't win a playoff game for almost a decade after that, which, you know, it just, it's just hard to imagine.
5: Henry mentioned... Tom Landry and Chuck Noll not just two great coaches two icons uh, of the 1970s in sports and there was another one John Madden um mm. who was a great coach and an icon yeah. and, and I remember reading Madden's book and he said out of all out of all of us Don Shula is clearly the best coach
3: right that, and that's
5: he, high praise for for Landry and Knoll.
3: right and you know and and it's it can become ponderous when every team releases like you know, endless statements when something like this happens. But if you go through and read what Belichick wrote about him and how close Shula was to Belichick's dad, and like you, Henry, Belichick got some of his starts in scouting by sneaking away from the college he was at to go sneak into stadiums to watch things. I mean, I Shula, to me, seems to be – I don't know where we're getting the idea that he's not respected other than the fact that I think among fans, uh, had he won a Super Bowl or two with Marino, that might have shifted – the perspective among people maybe my age because we certainly saw the the tail end of Don Shula. But he has 125 more wins than Andy Reid, 203 more than Pete Carroll on that list of all-time wins. Belichick is the only human being that could potentially catch him, and he's 43 behind in our lifetime. I mean, it's not just compiling either. He went 14 seasons before he had a losing campaign. I mean, this guy was absolutely about as much as you could – imagine as a coach and someone like Belichick reveres him to the nth degree
6: right and the other thing I think you can measure a, a coach by is how many hall of famers they coach Schuler mm-hmm. coached 15 hall of famers during his career which I think is a, a pretty huge number I think only Paul Brown I was trying to um, dig for this earlier but I think Paul Brown coached 18 but other than that he's 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 way out um, in front
2: yeah, the fact that he did it with two franchises and so quickly kind of sets him apart from those other guys, yep. I think, of his era. I think the reason why he's maybe not viewed quite and I and I think he would be on the Mount Rush North. So I don't really may maybe even buy that premise. But it's probably just, you know, the over obsession with titles. Because of what, he was two and four, I think, in, in championships if you count the Colts. Yeah. And so, you know, you may, you turn that into five and one or something, and then people feel differently.
4: But it shouldn't it shouldn't all be about the titles. And finally, just for a little bit of context on this, as everyone knows, 347 for Shula. Belichick is at 304 right now. He's 43 wins off. If he sets the record for most wins, which I think people expect, but if he does it, he'll be in his mid-70s nearly or even beyond that potentially when he does it. So that just kind of puts it into perspective how good Shula was for, you know, so long. All right, Don Shula. Don Shula. Dead at the age of 90. Rest in peace. Uh, Henry, we don't want to keep you on for more bad news, but we do have more bad news, don't we? Uh, this coming in a very different realm, but you are obviously as the vice president of international V-Man uh, or one of the men and women behind the scenes planning out how to spread the game and build the game and grow the game across the world. And we got some very bad news officially today, didn't we?
6: Yeah, unfortunately, we won't be able to play games this year in London and Mexico. All the games um, for this NFL season will be played in the U.S., um, which is obviously sad news for our fans who I know listen. A lot of them listen to you, both from the U.K. and Mexico, actually. Um, but, you know, the good news, I guess, is that we, we definitely will be back in both of those countries in 2021 um, if events allow. You know, that's, that's the plan. But, yeah, certainly, um, certainly upsetting for fans in those countries, not to be able to, to see their, their favorite sport being played locally.
4: I see a quote for on NFL.com, our story um, from an individual that I'm sure you work very closely with uh, Christopher Halpin. I'm just curious why you're not getting the quote in this story. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, you yeah, well, used to be the chief content guy on.com before you took this uh, VP job. Uh, I, I'm just, it doesn't make sense to me. It, it doesn't, it doesn't match up.
6: Okay. Well, I'll have a word with, with people about that and see what, see what we can do. Thanks. Tan.
4: It's a huge bummer though. It really is. Uh, and I imagine Henry, I know you have the power to with a, with a snap of a finger to decide whether we go back to London, but I imagine in a very different world there's that uh, we won't be heading overseas this year either because everything is going to be, If anything happens at all, everything is going to be very different this year. So it is, uh, if that is indeed our fate as well, we're really disappointed. And I know the fans overseas, uh, we went, we've been lucky enough, Greg, the last two years to go to uh, these games and the place is packed to the gills. You see uh, uniform, uh, people wearing jerseys from not just the teams playing the game, but it, it's an opportunity for these UK fans and overseas fans to kind of pledge their allegiance and wear their own jerseys for whatever team they want. Uh, so to lose that is just another thing stripped away from not just the NFL, but like the sports calendar. It stinks.
2: Yeah. And as cool as, uh, you know, the Twick was, Twickenham Stadium and, and the games at Wembley, which cool. they're still, they're still doing. I think the games the at Tottenham, got- which, which we were at last year. Kind of puts it to a, a different level. I mean, the crowd felt like another level. Maybe it was just the sound, just how new the stadium. It just felt like it was like a Super Bowl type atmosphere that they're going to be playing in. But this is kind of the first big change. The schedule is expected to be released later this week. And I'm sure, you know, that this is kind of the warning. I don't expect a ton of other, uh, Big changes in the schedule, at least not off the bat, but they're, they're building flexibility into it in case other things need to be changed.
3: I mean, I know I retroactively have probably won 45 sandwiches thanks to the coronavirus based on um, now expired sandwich props, but... um I think it's a huge Congratulations, bummer. Congratulations, Mark. Well, thank you. But it's, you know,
2: in our way. Winners like, and losers from, uh, you know, COVID-19. Mark Sessler, the well, only winner.
3: There's no bigger winner than Greg, apparently. He's having the time of his life. So I don't <laughs> tell you. But it might keep him wanting more theory. I mean, that little trip to London um, was critical to build into the year for just a little bit of uh, personal space and time in a nice hotel and meeting wonderful people. Henry, I mean, this probably wipes out. Six or seven weeks of travel for you. You were going to go to Mexico. All you, Six you or do seven? Thing, well, you do the thing where you go and do like, hey, let's go to London for a week to look at the stadium to make sure that it looks good yeah, before the we go back enough. a second or third time, right? I mean... <laughs> What happens to you now? What I mean, are you doing? I don't actually know where you get this
6: from. I don't know where you get this from, but yeah, sure. Oh, uh, we gotta yeah, uh, I do I do have to make a few tricks. You're gotta right.
3: Hand,
4: I gotta head back to uh West London and stay at a Notting Hill flat so I can test the fish and chips at the stadium.
2: <laughs> Henry's <laughs> definitely read the Leave Them <laughs> Wanting More parenting book
4: by Mark Sessler. Yeah, he, by he, Mark he Sessler. I did read it and well?
6: I decided I would really adopt that pretty hard.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Henry, um, you know, kind of not not the greatest circumstances today, Don Shula dies and the internet. National games are wiped away but you are a, 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 you know, a man that can give us great information on both those topics and you did you hit it out of Good. the park I did,
6: I did my best i did my best
4: do you want to add I, something and, positive and more than
6: anything it was you know well, well i bet the positive, about is Tua? About, no, the positive is i got to see you guys it's nice to it's nice to see all your faces and that's the most important thing that's the best thing that's come out of today
4: all right well we miss you henry
6: i miss you guys too i'm looking forward to when we can all be together again in the meantime wes i'll be around in about 35 minutes
5: walking the dog. <laughs> All right. We'll see see you
4: and Disco in a little bit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. See you, buddy.
6: See hey, you, guys. Thanks
5: see very you, much. well. See you, Henry.
4: All right. Yeah, that's a bummer. But what can you do? Everything's different now.
5: Don't go back to London. I mean, to me, like, I know the NFL hates the word exhibition, but in the old sense of the word, these international games are exhibitions of football. They're a spectacle. And without fans, they just... They don't they don't work.
4: Yeah, well, that's certainly fair. Um, All right. In other news, Andy Dalton has a new team, but it's not the team we expected it to be. Last time uh you joined us on the Around the NFL podcast, the Jaguars were said to be interested. And that seemed like a sensible place for him. But he ends up signing a one year deal with the Dallas Cowboys to back up Dak Prescott. The team announced it on Saturday. The deal has a base value of three million, could be worth up to seven million uh, if he hits all the incentives. Dalton, of course, played the first nine years of his career in Cincinnati, it was released last week uh, after making a request to the team. He's 32 years old. And, Mark, this is an interesting landing spot for him because on the surface, it's a, it's certainly a, there's a chance he just rides the pine for an entire season and then hits free agency again. But also there is some drama, obviously, with uh, Dak Prescott and his contract situation. And now you have a very capable backup behind him slash another option for Jarrah if he chooses to go down that route.
3: Well, I'm sure it won't be the end of the Dak Prescott, um, you know, drama bullets that we seem to talk about almost every show. But for me, I I love the signing for Dallas. I love it for Andy Dalton. He grew up in Katy, Texas. Um, You know, it's funny, his offense coordinator, Kellen Moore, he squared off with in two bowl games. So there's a lot of like connective tissue here for Dalton. I think it was probably from a family angle, um, a great thing for him. It's like, you know, we when we try to figure out these landing spots, you look for need. And the Jacksonville Jaguars seemed to us with Gruden there also the team that needed someone. Um, and also, you know, maybe a great spot for Andy Dalton to pick up six or seven starts. But I would say this about Dallas. Think of those seasons back when they had Tony Romo and he would suffer one of his like four billion clavicle injuries, and the guy behind him was a non-functional backup. And the season would go totally down the gutter. So I love the fact that they went out and got someone. Now, they say they love Cooper Rush, but they went and got someone they can trust. And Andy Dalton is immediately the best backup in the NFL. Hmm.
5: Yeah, uh, these one-year contracts that he and Winston signed, it makes sense to me that if it's the most oversaturated quarterback market we've ever seen and there's no way they're getting paid, find the best spot possible where if the starter goes down and you get placed in there, you've got the weapons to go crazy and get a big contract next
6: year.
2: Yeah, Texas kid that played at TCU. I mean, there's got to be part Board of him products. that it's like a dream to play for the Cowboys. And then he's got to be thinking, if I do get to play, I could light it up with this team and rebuild my value. The The fact that he's only making like a $3 million base is just wild to me. It's like Jalen Rashard got more money than that this offseason. You know, Chase Daniel was getting that money more than that regularly and so it really does show the kind of the market supply and demand just apparently has too much supply of quarterbacks it, do, it doesn't quite check out but you got to think that the Jaguars weren't offering like a ton of money either uh and that he just chose the Cowboys because they thought you know that it was a better situation well so the
3: Bengals did him no favors by you know they knew they were going to get a quarterback and they they dumped Dalton After the draft, I mean, there would have been other options for Andy Dalton back in March. I
4: wonder what those options would
3: have been other than Chicago. Can't blame the Bengals for trying to trade him. I don't. I'm just saying the timing probably didn't help. Andy Dalton. I think he said that as
4: well. He wasn't ultimately thrilled with it. And I was thinking about it on Friday. we were saying, oh, this makes a lot of sense. The Jaguars could be a good spot for him. But then I thought about it some more today. And it didn't make too much sense on either side. I guess it would make sense to Doug Marone, who needs to win games. Um, But if he went to Jacksonville, he could end up just being the next Nick Foles there where the team stinks. And he's the veteran quarterback. That's uh, seems to be going nowhere. So it's like, why isn't Minshew playing again? And then Minshew would go back in and he would just be, his brand would suffer as a result. And from the Jaguars st- side of things, I mean, what are you trying to do? Are you, tr- are you trying to go organizationally? Are you trying to go eight and eight or whatever? Like, because Dalton, we know, is not a I guy. I think they are. I mean, you do. I know, I know, I know, Greg. I know everybody wants to win every week and all that. But from like a big picture viewpoint, why wouldn't you just give Minchu the reins of the team? And if he's great, you have an answer. And if he stinks, you stink. And then you get a top quarterback in the draft next year. Maybe even the Lewis, big guy. Trevor Lewis Lawrence. Riddick
2: put it well to me that you know the backup quarterback he he thinks is a top 30 roster spot that's how he would look at it you know that that's more valuable than about 20 25 rosters and i and i would agree with that like it makes sense to invest in in quarterbacks it's a great move for the cowboys i mean if dak prescott has an injury he could keep he could keep them afloat and it is a
5: Chancerly quote
2: <laughs>
4: the <Casserly laughs> quote goes way better uh two more notes cooper rush was waived today um so he's Out of the picture in Dallas and Dak Prescott has started 64 of 64 games since being drafted in 2016. So there is a you never know in football, of course, but he is as durable as they come, uh, Dak. So Dalton, you know, we'll see. He may may never throw a meaningful pass for Dallas. We will see. All right. Moving on. Got a little caught up in that and forgot what we were talking about next.
5: We got some fifth year options. Oh, yeah. Fifth
2: year option talk. Another uh, daily uh, reminder that Mitchell Trubisky exists. Another
4: popular topic. <laughs> he is, of course, the headliner here because the num- former number two overall pick of the Chicago Bears, the man that was infamously, and this will go down in Chicago history uh, as basically the uh, what was it the inverse of Michael Jordan dropping to the uh, Bulls with the third pick. They passed on both Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and traded up for Mitch Trubisky out of North Carolina, and he doesn't even make it uh, to a fifth-year option pickup after a woeful third season in Chicago where he regressed in almost every way possible. Trubisky uh, will play out his contract in Chicago this year, uh, potentially, but he has no um, fifth-year option, which is almost a given for a guy. You would think, Greg, one of the great surprises – uh, to me, anyway, was how how much they were in on him this time last year. To think that you fast forward one year and they wouldn't even be picking up the option. Uh, life comes at you fast,
2: right? I mean, even back you know in January, them talking about Trubisky. Because I think listeners should should understand when when you don't pick up the fifth year option, it is. Yeah, I don't know if disrespect's the right word, but it's saying you don't think much of the player. I don't like you can't play it any other way because there is very little risk for this one last year of the fifth year option being in the current rules of picking up the option. Now starting next year, it's gonna be fully guaranteed. And then that's a totally different equation. But in for this one year, the only reason it would be guaranteed is if he suffered like a big injury. So they're basically saying we don't think there's any chance that we're gonna to wanna to pay him, you know, over ten million dollars a year next year. And and if there is, whatever, we'll franchise tag him. Like we think there's almost no chance that he's gonna be a standout at the position. And the tiny chance that he gets injured, we don't even want to take that risk. Like that's how little we think of him. That's how I see it.
3: Yeah, I think for me, I mean, if you're a Bears fan. You know, we all know a few, and they, they've been through a bit. Um, I don't know if I trust the general manager at this point based on the backstory to this and a lot of other stuff the Bears have done. The team has somehow completely lost any sense of identity uh, during Matt Nagy's run. And I would say this about Matt Nagy. Also, this is a loss for Matt Nagy. You were brought here to coach up and develop this quarterback. And yeah, I get that the player is not ready. Mitchell Trubisky is just pr- not an NFL starter. And we've come to that conclusion previously, but for all the pretty words and the poetry that we heard about Mitch Trubisky and all these tedious off season uh, meetings with these coaches and GMs in the end, they both couldn't get it done. And I, I think this, I, I, I think that the, the, when they go to the cutting room floor with some of these players on the bears, I think it's time to go a little bit higher <laughs> or think about going a little higher.
4: Well, you, you're talking about Ryan Pace and yeah. Yes, I am. It is at the end of the day. This is, this could be a, you know, Babe Ruth sold to the Yankees type of thing for the Bears. They, if Patrick Mahomes, because Greg, you've already said this is one of the greats of all time, right? Or something like that. He could be. And, and he just won a Super Bowl and he's got an MVP Mahomes. And I'm not even bringing in Deshaun Watson who's also one of the great young quarterbacks in the game. If Mahomes does end up being an all time great. That you traded up for a North Carolina quarterback and who passed, played um, one, year. Right. Who one played year, one year. Exactly.
3: There were a lot of flag. There were a lot of issues with Trubisky coming. I, I in. I keep hearing from Bears fans,
2: it's like, well, you know, you 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 couldn't have known then. It's like, no, actually, they were sticking their neck out a little bit on Trubisky. It's part of the reason why it was so negatively received. That Watson, a lot of people, everyone had Watson higher, just about, and a lot of people had Mahomes higher. So it's not going back and and making a change. It was kind of the draft Knicks who got super into that one year at the NFL, I mean, uh, at UNC, uh, that got so high on Trubisky that it's like, look, I mean, that you, you put your you put your jobs in line when you take a risk like that. It's just how it goes.
4: Hey, stop banging the garage. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> um, I couldn't hear it. And to your point on Nagy, Mark. All right. But it's like it's he, he, kind of he's damned if you do damned if you don't, because you can't tell me that it's on him for not developing Trubisky, but then also say that Trubisky can't play.
3: Well, like, I would say do? the I would say this. Let's go wider, and you know, not to belabor the point, but the entire experience of the Bears' offense. Um, I the, Matt Nagy came out of Andy Reid's you know tree as described as like the most capable, ready to be head coach guy. I just I, I haven't seen it yet. I don't see a huge differentiator. We talk about there being four or five coaches that really make a difference on Sundays. Matt Nagy, um, and he's had some issues put in his in his lap. I just I don't seem as one of those guys. Not close right now. Well, maybe not a stud. Coach but of his, the year. He I mean,
2: four, or, he, he looked, I thought he eight. provided such a huge advantage for them um, in 17. And that was one of the reasons I always stayed down on Trubisky thinking it was almost all coaching. And so I, I am curious to see Nagy with a different quarterback, um, even if it's Nick Foles.
3: Well, right, who it, will stay healthy for about three weeks and then you'll have Mitch Trubisky in there with no option, having to w- ride out the season.
4: Good team um, planning. Here are some other notable 50 year uh, declined options, Leonard Fournette, who actually had his best season last year, but st- still seems like a knucklehead, and it wasn't exactly a glowing season statistically. Uh, let's see, Garrett Bowles, Tack McKinley. Uh, John Ross, Corey Davis, the number five overall John pick. Ross, Cincinnati, Corey Davis of the Titans. Uh, who is supposed to be a, a big-time ex-receiver. It never happened. So, yes, it's It's a failure of the organization when you have a, a pick. You're declining a, a fifth-year option, essentially. Unless there's an injury or something, typically it's just kind of a bad look for the management that in many cases has already been swept out by the time this decision is made. <clears throat> All right. That's what's happening in the news. All right. Greg and Wes and also Dan and Mark put together top 101 lists <laughs> – um, Mark, do you remember what was the pick? Uh, what was the name that w- we just had a little flip? I believe in the 60s or 70s. Uh, yeah, we had Carlos
3: least. Hyde at um, I believe 64. Um, uh, switched with a different player, and and hmm. Greg and Wes, you know, I thought it was at, Vitae. I thought it no, was Vitae involved Carlos Hyde, if I'm not mistaken. But um, it's it you know, it, Greg and Wes very in a in a strange series of events. Somehow after we left, you know, our physical list on your desk, Dan, back when we right. had desks, um. Put out a list identical to ours, save for the two players being switched. So and I think know, it's, concerning. Just, it, it's yeah. fair
4: to say that they had Hyde higher on their list, and yet he still doesn't have a team. So
3: <laughs> there you go. Case closed. Touche. All
4: right. So here, here's a list of uh, there are 19 players remaining out of the 101 I'm just going to like kind of rip through the list, and then you guys want to point out anybody that jumps out to you. Cam Newton, Jadavian Clowney, we know both their situations. Everson Griffin, Logan Ryan, Jason Peters, Darquez Denard, Eli Apple, Carlos Hyde, Marcus Golden, Damar Dotson, Michael Bennett, Prince of Mukamara, Clayton Gathers, Eric Reed, Terrell Suggs, Damon Harrison, Mikel Hendricks or Michael Hendricks, Tony Jefferson, not or, it is Michael Hendricks, Tony Jefferson and Jordan Reed. Uh, those are the 19 players. And Greg, it jumps out to me, there are players here that you can help, that will help rosters, especially there are a ton of teams out there that need, I'll start here in the secondary. And I see guys like Eric Reed and Prince of Mucamara, uh, Prince of Mucamara and Eli Apple and Logan Ryan. These are guys that are kind of starter level replacement type guys why aren't they signed yet
2: yeah eli apple had a deal with the raiders and that fell apart i don't know if that was a health thing he was coming off of an injury i would expect all of those guys you just mentioned in the secondary to find a team especially logan ryan who was playing at a really high level for most of last year there is a date and it's unclear what the date is but it's in the next week or so when the signings no longer count for the compensatory pick formulas. And you would think that's when some of these guys could get signed. Cause you're right. Like those guys could start Logan, Ryan. I mean, Logan, Ryan And he has been
4: um, mentioned as a possibility for the jets. Like I'd it's be like, super annoyed if one, of, the these guys, one of these guys the is not on the jets. I would be legitimately annoyed if at least one of these guys isn't signed by the big man, Joe Douglas,
5: Logan Ryan stands out to me because Cam Newton, Jadevian Clowney have injury factors, I think, that have weighed into them not signing. Everson Griffin had um, some mental issues a couple years ago, and I think it's hurt him not being able to meet with teams. Logan Ryan doesn't have any of those issues. I think his problem is he pretty much made it be known he's not taking a penny less than $10 million, what he was making last year with the Titans. And maybe teams don't see him at 30 years old, a guy who a lot of people feel like is best suited to the slot. As a, as a $10 million guy.
4: Here's two buy low guys that jump out to me. Damon Harrison Snacks, who really struggled last year in Detroit. But before that, and by the way, there's some bad vibes, bad juju going on in Detroit uh, as we're hearing, and he's spoken out on that. Maybe it was just a bad year for him. I think he might have been banged up too. Uh, if you are a team that's getting killed in the run, maybe you take a flyer on Snacks at this stage and maybe he gets the eye of the tiger back and gets healthy. Uh, Jason Peters is the other guy. He was a top left tackle for a long time. I know he's older, but at the very least, maybe a depth guy. Or I, I feel like at this stage, maybe, like Wes, you're saying, some of these guys still v- value themselves at a higher place than what teams are willing to spend. But two other guys that could be starters, I think. Does Jason
5: Peters want to leave the Eagles? To me, I he's never said anything about it that I know of, but I've, I've had the sense that that relationship has gone on so long that he might not want to play for anyone else. And he's waiting for them to kind of extend an olive branch and bring
3: him back. I don't know. I kind of feel that way about Everson Griffin going back to Minnesota. I mean, he's on the record saying he'd do it um, in a weird off season where maybe, you know, you, you you can go back to a team that would welcome you. They would need him. The scheme is known, you know, everything around you. you don't have to move. I mean, some of these guys might wind up in familiar spots because of something because of what we're dealing with right now. Yeah, the pandemic almost takes
2: off the urge for these teams to sign these guys quick because they're not gonna they don't they're not gonna have them on the field anytime soon, <clears throat> anyways. Griffin is the guy who stands out to me. I mean, obviously Clowney and, and Cam can make an impact, but Griffin played really well last year. I mean Griffin was probably more valuable or as valuable as Clowney was in 2019. I know he's older, and so that that changes the equation, but he's been about as steady a pass rusher. If the Vikings can add him back, or the Browns, who just seem to get thrown around for whatever reason, it, probably because they are interested in Clowney and Griffin, if they could add one, like to me, that would change the way either of those teams look. They already look pretty
4: good. I'll throw one more out there. There's someone on this list that's... In the back end of your top 101 that has done something that Jadavian Clowney has never done in six seasons. The guy that wanted 20 million a year is have 10 sacks in a 16 game campaign. That is Marcus Golden coming off a yeah. 10 sack year. That seems like a guy that should be off the market. Teams are always desperate for somebody that can get to the quarterback 10 sacks. It doesn't mean you're a stud, but it means that you you know what you're doing. You, you, you're a tactician at the very least. And Jadavian Clowney, come back to me. You don't even you don't even have ten sacks in your whole career. Come you have been down. Me.
3: You have been you know quietly a little down on Clowney or suspicious of the Clowney hype for a long time. And I, I hear you. But Maybe Golden, he's I mean my
4: version of Mitch Trubisky for you that when Bill O'Brien is being assassinated for that trade to Seattle, people are viewing him as Lawrence Taylor. Well, how about when I was come being
3: dressed now. down as being like you know stop down stop with your takes telling you that Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky wasn't good three years ago. You know, oh, calm down. Mitchell <laughs> Trubisky will be fine, please. And it's just like Mark doesn't. Mark, you stop with your football <laughs> opinion over there. You don't Who's know what saying, you're talking about. He's saying oh, that to us. But clearly
4: not me. I, let's circle back on the Trubisky one. thing real quick then. I think our, our viewpoint on that was that none of us thought he was like a, a stud or anything, but he had – he had progressively, like, kind of been growing or trending. So
3: how dare you talk ill Up. about Mitchell Trubisky? <laughs> you're
4: like, talking about the playoff game, which I've, I'm no. I'm talking totally about
3: with well before on. the playoff game. Like, yeah, come on.
4: <laughs> anyway, Marcus Golden deserves a home. He should get how about intense. T. Suggs.
3: This is the end for T. Suggs.
2: That's Maybe. fine. He, he seems That's like fine. a guy who's got to join halfway through the season and like win another Super Bowl
4: or some nonsense. I'm done with him.
3: I was showing my kids. We had like clips from our Michael Bennett phones. too. You can go. Yeah, but Bennett can go. Like the you can go be showing, interesting somewhere else. I was showing kids these clips of um the Ravens locker room after they won the Niners Super Bowl with the blackout because they were very into the concept of why the energy went out in the middle of a Super Bowl, and you know we're having this nice time watching <laughs> Ray Lewis celebrate, and then T. Sizzle walks into the room and drops like six f bombs in seven <laughs> seconds. I'm like, all right, we're gonna thanks a lot, Suggs, the gift that keeps on giving they so the ones family, please.
4: <laughs> I feel you, man.
3: <laughs> Came out of nowhere.
4: All right. Anything else? That's it. Check it out. We gone. We gone. We'll be back on Wednesday. Oh, we should make an announcement here. Uh, hmm, where to start. Okay. So we have a show coming up on Wednesday an audio show. Uh, Going forward, effective this week at least, we're going to have a uh, our show is back on NFL Network. Uh, it will be the Around the NFL Show on NFL Network. It will be the lead-in show to Total Access, the flagship program on NFL Network. I'm very excited for it, so it's coming. Uh, check it out this Friday. So you're this week you're going to get podcast today, obviously podcast Wednesday, TV show Friday, 3 p.m. Uh, Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. NFL Network, the Around the NFL show is back. And we're excited about that. We'll be planning it all week. Working title,
3: working title, partial access. <laughs>
4: no <laughs> access. <laughs> um, so that's it.
2: This is big Dan news. Hanza. Yeah, Exciting. that's big news. We're
4: excited about it. Check, Check it out. This is Dan is signing off for Quiet <laughs> Storm, the mailman, the old boss, Rick Hollywood. Silent show for Ricky Hollywood. In her apartment. Rick, you there?
6: I'm here. Oh, in hey. the morning. Like forgot I forgot how to podcast over the weekend. <laughs> it's like, just just get out. Get
2: it's out a tough of here.
4: Monday. It's a tough Monday. <laughs> um, hi. How are you? Hi. Did you have a nice weekend?
2: I did. Yes.
6: I did. I've been really. Ex- Do
4: you You're want me to elaborate? To that, yeah. 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 I can't. Yeah. I don't know. Have- I, I no. have- Mark's version of Mitch Trubisky is my version of like Greg being like, I don't understand why anybody would have any issues being at home with their children. I haven't said I anything. This is all in your own wife. head, but you're trying to make me uh, make up Every, an experience. That I don't, I don't have, there are no problems in my house. It's like, good. I'm glad you're in the minority. That's all. I'm happy for you though. Sound it. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Anybody else have anything to say? No. All right, let us us end the show (laughs) mercifully. Dan Hansen signing off for Glide Storm, the mailman, the old boss, and Rick Hollywood in her apartment. Until Wednesday.
1: Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today?
2: My check engine lights on?
1: Mm, that could hurt your gas mileage. The AutoZone free FixFinder service can help find the fix for free.
6: Get in zone. This whole report for free?
1: That's right. Printed and on your phone for free. Get
6: in zone. But what if the fix is too tough?
1: We'll recommend a local shop. FixFinder, only at AutoZone. Get in the zone, auto zone. Restrictions apply.